you are a Locked On Braves postcast. Part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. Your team every day. And hello and welcome into the Braves postcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. Grant McCauley and Jake Mastriani with you after yet another Braves win. Make it eight in a row as Atlanta gets a truncated sweep of the series against the Philadelphia Phillies with a 5-1 win and extra innings on Thursday afternoon. We got all kinds of fun stuff to talk about when it comes to this one, though it might have felt a bit frustrating before it got fun there in the 10th inning. As always, I want to remind you to subscribe to Locked On Sports Atlanta right here on YouTube, I should say, and Locked On Braves wherever you get your podcast. That's the order we do that in. Make sure that you click the bell to get notified on YouTube as well. Go ahead and click that like button because the Braves, they're on quite a win streak and they're looking to add on when they head into the weekend, which, of course, we'll talk about a little bit later on. But, uh, Jake, on this day, Bryce Elder, I feel like, was the story. And then the offense, waking up late, made it a happy ending overall for this team. I always say you give this lineup nine innings, you feel like they're going to come through at some point. Well, today they needed 10, but they really came through in that 10th inning and what was a tough day for both offenses. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, there's no two ways about that. It was kind of a windy day, but the hits were hard to come by. I thought that the umpiring behind home plate probably made it a little bit more challenging for both teams as well. We can get into that too, but let's jump into the line score of this game for the Braves. Number 74 on the year. Braves are now 48 and 26. That's 22 games over 500. They got five runs. They all came in the 10th inning. Seven hits on the day. No errors. Seven men left on base. The Phillies, 38 and 36. A run on just four hits, no errors, and seven men left aboard for them. Bryce Iglesias picks up the win. He's three and two. Junior Marte was on the mound for the Braves' tenth inning, and things did not go well for him as Atlanta scored five times, including the uh, runner that you get to start the inning. But the Braves they didn't stop there, and they got a little bit of help from Kyle Schwarber out in left field. Marte, however, did not get so much help from him, and of course we saw Marcelo Zuna make his presence felt in the tenth as well. Game lasted two hours, 57 minutes, 39,570 paid to see it. And what they got to see was a pretty good pitcher's duel between Aaron Nola and Bryce Elder to start with. I know Nola was piling up some strikeouts himself, but I feel like Bryce Elder looked as good on this day as he's looked at any time this year, Jake. I pointed it out in his last couple of outings where, you know, he'd give us a good chunk of runs, but overall the stuff I just thought was really good. So I think he continued that in this one, obviously, you know, like we talked about, the offense was both offenses struggling, strike zone kind of moving all over the place. A lot of time was given a good bit off the plate. And I think Gelder benefited from that just as much as the Phillies pitchers. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even the stuff, I mean, you were seeing some swings and misses, just that sinker was diving in down and in on right-handed hitters and going under their bat. Travis Darno talked about that after the game, just how that sinker, you don't see too many like that. And it's really hard to pick up 11 whiffs for Bryce Elder. You know, he doesn't put up big whiff numbers, but he also had 19 called strikes and an 85.9 mile per hour average exit velocity against just not a lot of hard hits. The hits he were giving up, it was just some mm-hmm. balls that snuck through the infield, which is going to happen a lot of times with a sinker ball or pitcher. So, Again, and they, they asked Brian Snicker after the game, is, is Bryce Elder, you know, should he be in the All-Star game? I don't know how you say no at this point with what the guy has doing. Since getting recalled at the end of last year, he's been one of the best pitchers, at least ERA-wise, in all of baseball. Yeah, I mean, he's putting up the numbers, and it's hard to argue with for a midseason, I don't know if it's a war, but certainly an honor to be an All-Star. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. more, most guys would want to make a few of those in their big league career, and Bryce Elder's been throwing pretty great. And if you kind of go back on what you were saying about the called strikes versus the swinging strikes. I feel like Bryce Elder has this frustratingly effective mix against opposing lineups because he does get a lot of called strikes, 
And putting aside some of the inconsistency of the man calling the balls and strikes today, that has really been a trend for Bryce Elder. I feel like most of the year when he's really going, hitters are kind of giving up on certain pitches. They're taking in counts where maybe they were expecting something else. And then he does have some swing and miss stuff that he can mix in there as well. And I think that when you put those two things together, the fact that maybe he's just not picked up very well, as you talked about, that sinker has a lot of good run on it. And obviously that can be frustrating for hitters, but he just does such a great job of maximizing the things that he has working to the edges of the strike zone, really trying to avoid making mistakes over the middle of the plate where he can get hurt and has a couple of times this year. But for the most part, it just feels like he is so in tune with what he has to offer that he just knows how to go out and execute. And it's why you felt so comfortable with Bryce Elder. I talked about in the offseason coming in, I thought he had a good chance to win that fifth starter spot just because you feel comfortable with a guy that has that pitch mix and so much mm-hmm. movement on those pitches that if he can locate them and he can be in the strike zone and then get hitters to chase just off the plate, he's going to get a lot of weak contact and can be successful. I didn't think he'd be a sub three ERA pitcher, but I thought he'd be a fine, you know, fourth or fifth starter. But he is proving to be so effective with those pitches, getting those calls on the edges of the zone, and then being able to nibble just off enough to get hitters to chase and to create that weak contact. And that's the pitcher he is. I mean, he's no, there's no deception there. You know what he's trying yep. to do, but he's doing it so effectively right now that I just think you can't overlook the results anymore. Yeah, and he's anything but one-dimensional, I think, on top of that. He's not just kind of a one-trick pony where it's like, all right, well, if this one pitch doesn't work, then I really just don't have anything else I either believe in or can go to to get outs or at the very least soft contact. Maybe the swings and misses as well. It's just, it's just a great mix going on right now for Bryce Elder. I think that's about all you can say about him and his effectiveness right now. He's mixing things extremely well and staying one step ahead of the offenses more times than not. 2-4-0 ERA now on the year. That's second in the National League to Marcus Stroman, fourth in all of baseball. So Bryce Elder's making a case as one of the more consistent starting pitchers in MLB in the first half of the season. And I would say that is how you start building an all-star candidacy or case, if you want to call it that. And I think Elder at this point certainly has one. Uh, somebody else on the pitching side, before we get to that big 10th inning, who has really been impressive over the last three, nearly four weeks now, is A.J. Minter. Another scoreless inning. He struck out the side against the Phillies in this game. His last 13 outings, Jake, one run. It came on a solo home run in a game that the Braves won, and he picked up a save, so no harm, no foul there. Only two hits allowed across those 13 games. Only one walk and 14 strikeouts. I said it on Twitter earlier. A.J. Minter's back, folks. He looks like the guy that the Braves were counting on to play a pivotal role in this bullpen, and he's been executing over those last 13 outings. I said his after his last outing, I said this may be the best one we've seen from A.J. Minter all year. And then he had his outing today, and I think this was maybe the best one we've seen all year. I mean, 14 pitches, four swings and misses on seven swings, two called strikes. I mean, dotted one, 97 miles per hour down and away just to, to get a strikeout. I mean, he looks fully locked in. He looks like he's back to that A.J. Mentor. And, you know, we talked about it. I think a lot of us knew that, he, you know, the stuff was there. It just wasn't mm-hmm. correlating with the results he was getting on the field. I think some of that or a lot of that was just due to location. But you're really starting to see him dial it in and become that dominant arm that the Braves really need at the back end of games right now. So, yeah, I, I think we're back to the full A.J. Mentor uh, domination experience that we've been accustomed to seeing. Yeah, I don't know if that'll fit on a T-shirt, but we might as well try it. The A.J. Minter domination experience. That sounds uh, almost uh, not safe for workplace. But putting that aside, his stuff has been absolutely filthy lately. And yeah, the 97 mile an hour dotting the eye on the outside corner to Kyle Schwarber. uh, That was a pretty nice pitch for A.J. Minter, among several nice pitches and striking out the side. 
Rysel Iglesias in the ninth inning took care of business. Nick Anderson, he did allow a run, but the Phillies weren't able to put together the same kind of rally that the Braves were in that five-run tenth inning, which we will talk all about in just a moment. Before we do, though, I'll let you know about one of our great sponsors. This episode of the Braves Postcast is sponsored by Bird Dogs, the most comfortable, functional, versatile shorts you'll ever find. They feel great, and they fit great. You need to try these out and find out for yourself. Just go to birddogs.com slash MLB. Enter that promo code locked on MLB and they'll throw in a free custom bird dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on MLB. The promo code locked on MLB as well. The Braves, meanwhile, got things unlocked offensively in the 10th inning. It was a five run frame for Atlanta. Michael Harris, the second catching in the first run of the day on his run scoring single. Another multi hit game for him. That seems to be just kind of ho hum these days. But a couple of nice hits for him, including one going the other way for a hustle double, though the Braves weren't able to score in that particular inning. But Michael continues to take a lot of good swings. Then Ronald Acuna Jr. with a single that put runners on the corners. Acuna steals second. Austin Riley's up there with two outs, hits one to left field. I don't know what was going on with Kyle Schwarber there. I'm not sure why he had to dive. I mean, that felt like a run straight in, make that catch. And, you know, that inning is over and the Braves only score one time. And obviously we know how different the 10th inning could have played out in that regard. That was just a, an ill-timed error for Kyle Schwarber, but great fortune for the Braves. They'll take it. And then you got Marcelo Zuna capping it off with a two-run homer that made it a five-run frame. That's how quickly this game changed, going from a pitcher's duel, a shutout through nine innings for both sides, to five runs across at the drop of a hat. But that, in a nutshell, is the Braves' offense on some days. And you say, give them nine innings, they'll get some chances. I say, you give them four outs in an inning. I think the Braves' <laughs> offense is also going to find a way to do some damage. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You can't give this team extra outs, and they're going to come through, and when they do, it can come in bunches like it did in that 10th inning. But the Schwarber play, I mean, that's that's the game. I mean, we might still be playing if he makes that catch, which seems like a pretty routine catch there. And obviously, yeah. we know he's not the best defensive player out there. They're having to use Bryce Harper at DH at the moment. But, I mean, that's that's the ball game. Um, you know, Braves end up going on to score, you know, two runs on that, and then you get the two-run homer, and the Braves get the five-to-one win. So, I mean, credit to Austin Riley, I guess. He put the ball in play, and yeah. sometimes you do that, and good things happen. And then credit to Marcelo Zuna as well. Came through, got the big two-run homer to to really – put the game away after the first pitch of that at bat may have been the worst call of the day on some really bad calls. I mean, that pitch was something. A, a half a foot off the plate inside, but was able to stay in the at bat, get a hanger and he absolutely destroyed it. So again, great job by this offense. Good job hitting by Michael Harris and Acuna to both get hits there. Wish Ozzy could have came through in that situation with runners second and third and one out, but he didn't. Austin Riley picks him up, gets a little bit of help and Ozuna puts the exclamation point on it. Yeah, it all came together the way the Braves needed it to because you want to score you know, multiple runs in that particular situation because you know that the team coming up in the bottom half of the inning, they're going to have the opportunity to score that man at second base and then continue to add on. So you got to make the most of it, especially on the road in this scenario. I felt like the Braves were able to do that. The Schwarber play, no two, two ways about it. That helped them out immensely. And yeah, putting the ball in play in that particular instance and more times than not, at least gives you a chance of something crazy happening and this was a day the Braves were able to cash in on something crazy happening to their great fortune. Uh, as you look overall for the Braves offense, there wasn't a lot happening on this day. But, you know, you see Ron Lacuna Jr., the base hit, stolen base, 32nd of the season. It looks like he's going to have a chance here with quite a few weeks to go before we get to at least two full weeks, nearly three weeks, I think, if, uh, if my count is correct, before we get to the All-Star game and the All-Star break. He could be at 40 stolen bases. And, Jake, he is now just... 
five stolen bases away from his career high set in 2019. So the Ronald Lacuna Jr. experience uh, continues to be one that's enjoyable to watch. And he also decided to go ahead and uncork a throw to home plate in the 10th inning. That was clocked at 104 miles an hour, according to StatCast. There are not many things that Ron Lacuna can't do and is not doing altogether in 2023. Yeah, fun to watch. We talk about it almost every postcast, as you know. But I'm hoping the goal here is get to 40 by the All-Star break and then just really start cranking out those home runs in the second half to get to that 40-40 season. But, uh, I mean, the guy is, is just amazing over four to start the game. He did move the runner over without in a good situation earlier in the game to set Michael Harris up to score. Unfortunately, weren't, weren't able to come through there, but uh, yeah, comes through gets that hit there in the 10th inning allows the Braves to add on. I mean, he just does everything for you. I mean, he's a complete player. One of the best players in all of baseball. I got to hesitate saying the best now because what Otani's doing is pretty amazing as well, sure, but, sure. Uh, but Acuna is certainly up there with what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, I'll go ahead and, t- and say, and I stipulate just about every week on my show. I mean, there's the Shohei Otani category, and then yeah. there's what everybody else is doing. And that's not a knock on anybody else. It's just the fact that you've got somebody out here doing something that no one else in the world can do or has done. And the closest to it was one of the greatest players of all time. And that was happening, I don't know, about a century ago or more yeah. now. So just looking at it overall, Ron Lacuna Jr. just continues to put up those MVP-type numbers. I don't want to dwell on this for very long, but that strike zone was hideous all day long. There's just no two ways about that. But the called strike on Travis Darno for the pitch clock violation, that's just one of those things where you can tell me about the letter of the law on that rule and, you know, what is expected of the batter in that place. But what are we doing in the ninth inning with two strikes when a pitcher is not even close to ready to throw and we're calling the batter out? That is something I think that they need to adjust. Again, I do not care. If that's the rule, it shouldn't be a rule. It's a bad rule. They should change the rule. That shouldn't be a thing that can happen in a Major League Baseball game, in a scoreless game in the ninth inning, or honestly at any time in any Major League Baseball game. It's Bush League, and I don't want to see it anymore, and I hope we don't have to. Yeah, I, I don't want to see it either. This was my fear. And look, I like the the, the rule changes to speed up the game, and I think it's sure. been great for baseball. But this this cannot happen. you got to have some sort of feel for the game, for the moment as an umpire. I mean, if he wasn't ready in eight seconds, it was at seven. I, I mean, it was he was in there more so ready than Craig Kimball was. Right. was. You right. got to have some sort of feel for the moment. If this happens in a postseason game, it's just it can it can't happen. This cannot happen in a postseason game. It doesn't need to happen in a regular season game against division rivals. But uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. There has to be some sort of discretion on the umpire's side to say, okay, it's a tie game, ninth inning. Uh, we're maybe a, a second off here. Let's give a bit, a little bit of, of grace here and not be, let the moment, you know, us become the big part of the moment here. Let these guys decide it. Yeah. Not only that, I just feel like the batter component of that needs to be reworded, rethought and ultimately redesigned if they want this to be something where we can avoid situations like that. But I'm going to stick a pen in that one because that was not the play of the day, but it was certainly one that I think got under the skin of a lot of people. And again, I don't care about the letter of the law. I'd feel like the law is bad. Then we can get into semantics and arguments about that kind of stuff on some other podcast, some other time, some other day. But the Braves did win. They scored five runs in the 10th inning. That's what it took to get that victory. And now they're off to Cincinnati to start a three-game series on Friday night. We will see A.J. Smith-Shawver in game one of that one. He's 1-0 with a 2.03 ERA. It's Luke Weaver on the mound for Cincinnati, just 1-2 with a 6.47 Reds, though, no pun intended, red hot. Maybe the hottest team in the National League. All due respect to the Braves, this Reds team has managed to put together quite the winning streak to really turn their season around and vault themselves up in the standings. 
it's going to be a fun series. I talked about on the podcast the other day. I think the Reds are maybe the most exciting team in baseball right now. Obviously, with their win streak, you got Ellie De La Cruz coming up, maybe one of the best young talents in all of baseball. A lot of people comparing him maybe to, to Ron Acuna Jr., that he could be that type of electric player. Uh, so it's a really good team over there. They're obviously playing well at the moment. So it's going to be a fun series. Can't wait to see. Uh, we talked about A.J. Smith-Shawver. thought this would be his first big test. Now he goes to Cincinnati. Another hitter-friendly ballpark, although Philly didn't play like one in this series, but going to be a, another test, I think, as well for A.J. Smith-Shawver going up against a really hot Reds lineup. Yeah, it should be interesting to see how it all plays out. A.J. has shown us a lot in his very limited time in the big leagues. A 20-year-old, though, going to roll into Great American Ballpark, which, as Jake mentioned, is a very hitter-friendly yard. So we'll see if he's able to just keep the Reds in the yard, keep the game manageable, and give the Braves offense an opportunity to enjoy hitting in that ballpark as well. 6.40 p.m. Eastern time, the first pitch at Great American Ballpark on Friday night. A.J. Smith-Shawver against Luke Weaver and the Reds. That's where the Braves are off to next. That, meanwhile, will bring us to the end of this edition of the Braves Postcast. As always, we appreciate you riding along with us all season long. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Hit the bell to get notified every time we drop a new episode. And make sure you subscribe to Locked on Braves as well. Once again, Atlanta with a 5-1 win over the Philadelphia Phillies for an abbreviated two-game sweep of that series and a season-high eight-game winning streak. They tied that and have a chance to push it to nine over the weekend. We'll be back with you soon here on the Postcast. For Jake Mastriani, I'm Grant McCauley. And until next time, so long. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. D.C. Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked on Yankees. Locked on Mariners. Locked on Mets. Locked on Angels. And you're listening to Locked on Braves. Locked on Braves. Locked on Braves. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. 